It's April 14th, 2022, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Well, it is the middle of April, and more importantly, oh, wait, wait, middle of April. So next Monday is, is tax deadline. But more importantly, when this comes out on Thursday, James and I will be getting ready to head, hop on a plane and head off to Palm Springs. So yay me. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can say the same. We've got twins that have been wrecking house for the better part of a week and a half while we lost our daycare. So yeah, that's been fun. <laughs> you know, I, I I have nothing to compare it to. So I, I don't I don't really know <laughs> don't really know what to say. Although I will say I am I am very ready to have this little sort of long weekend break. And I didn't even realize it was gonna be Easter weekend. Are you guys did do you guys do anything for Easter? Do the kids sort of like really get the whole Easter egg hunt kind of thing? So this past weekend, we went to a small, well, a relatively small, uh, little amusement park thing in Canton. Um, that was a lot of fun. They got to do, you know, petting zoo. They got a, um, they rode little, the little kid, little kitty roller coasters, interacted with a bunch of farm equipment. Just, it, it was fun. It was, they, they, overcharged us severely overcharges for food as any amusement park will do but it was it was a lot of fun got got a little bit of a burn so still trying to recover from that but otherwise yeah no nothing nothing too serious for easter i think that was their easter celebration if if we're going to have one (laughs) okay well well you know that's that's I, i don't know i always think like you know you're three and a half do you really get the whole easter thing i can't remember the first time we did an easter egg hunt but I'm, I'm sure I was probably not much older than that, but yeah, yeah, we'll be gone over Easter weekend. And I was like, Oh wow, it's Easter. Of course, also office with a bunch of accountants. So their Easter weekend is going to be spent trying to get everyone's tax returns finished. And I was at the office today and I left at four thirty, and they were still there, which is very rare because they're usually done by three thirty at the latest. And I was like, Oh, so for all of you people out there who are, busy doing your taxes and hopefully hitting that April 18th deadline. Good luck to you. I, I won't be thinking about you while I'm on vacation. That's, <laughs> I'll say that's for sure. That's a horrible thing to say, but I'm hopefully going to be enjoying the sort of retro modern atmosphere of Palm Springs. I've never been so, so it should be interesting. And hopefully when we get back together next time, I'll have some interesting tales to tell, but but we'll see. So now, speaking of interesting, you got to do something that I think everyone dreads doing. And but that was that was at the end of the last month, right? That you you actually got to sit on a jury. Yeah. So <laughs> I was actually selected. I, I I guess I didn't show up late enough. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. But I got selected for jury duty. I got picked and sat on a trial for assault with a deadly weapon, and uh, it was uh, definitely an interesting case. Uh, but you know, I spent a Friday and a Monday uh, downtown, just hearing the hearing the thing and and figuring out the nuts and bolts of it. So it was it was it made for an interesting interlude, I guess, to my what would normally be a very quiet week at home, just working away on by myself. <laughs> 
I've, I, that's that sounds actually sounds pretty intense. And you know, normally, normally jury duty isn't that interesting. But when we were talking about it, it's one of those things that you don't think of it as interesting, but it got both of us thinking because really, how do you, especially like your assault with a deadly weapon, how do you? How do you use as an architect? How are you using your spatial thinking and your three D skills? That's that's going to help you understand what's going on. And and is there a way for prosecutors and de- and um, public defenders to really start using that as a way to present evidence and start to impact the jury outcomes with that? Because there's so much happening with virtual reality right now in three D. So so what we thought we'd talk about today we're we're look at a little bit of the academics that are sort of around this right now that that are exploring the effects of virtual reality on juries and Matthew you're going to share with us you're going to share your your experience on the jury and what you think how what you think the 3D aspect and the VR aspect would have really helped with with your perspective as as make, as you guys were making your decision and then what we'll finally end up with, what we'll end up the podcast on is we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the more interesting things that architects are doing with VR and hopefully see where that stuff starts to go within the architecture industry in the future. But for right now, so, so the big thing is you found this study, you found an article about this study in Australia, right? Yeah, so today's episode is on is on virtual reality and and how that is impacting the wider world, and we're going to look at it through the lens of more specifically the justice community. and And there was a study done by the University of South Australia, where a team of researchers, lawyers, and police simulated a, a hit and run scene that ended in someone's death, and and put that crime scene into a VR space using a, a laser scanner. And and laser scanners are really cool pieces of equipment. It's the same type of equipment that allows self-driving cars to see in real time and, and avoid obstacles. So the same the same equipment that they're using in self-driving cars, they use to recreate an entire scene, uh, a crime scene. It's a really cool piece of tech. But anyway, uh, the, the study participants were or the, the, the quote unquote jurors were then able to put on a VR headset and virtually walk around in the crime scene and just see things from different perspectives. They were able to match crime scene photos to their spatial locations relative to the other evidence that had been collected at the time. And of course you're walking around this VR space. So there's They've recreated everything. So they've got the car, they've got the all the evidence, they've got where he where the person was lying when he was hit. So they, they've recreated this entire scene like like what you'd see at a theater, but you just plop on your VR goggles and boom, you're right in the space to see that. Yeah, you know, and, and while crime scene field trips are fairly common for more serious cases, you know, to, to go visit a place, a VR a, a visit in VR is is by far far a cheaper alternatives, especially when you're working on, you know, tight courtroom budgets and, and timelines. And especially if the, the evidence needs to be re- revisited throughout a trial, you just plop over into VR and, and you're there. It's become a really powerful tool in that regard. One of the things that, that I remember reading too, and when you sent me the article was, was just this idea that because crime scenes don't stay static, you can take them to the, the scene of the crime, but you don't have all of the everything in that moment because the scenes, you know, the the location changes the way it looks. It changes 
time of death. I mean, there's all those all those aspects to it. But versus being able to actually recreate it and then put you inside the space, I think I think that's pretty cool. And interestingly enough, the when they did this study, the participants they had divided them into two groups and they split them up so that one group did the verdict only based on testimony and crime scene photos. So, so that was their, their basis for their, their decision. And the other group got to actually go to the crime scene inside VR, as well as look at all the photos of specific locations so that they could, they could actually note things specifically. And and the end result ended up being that the, the jurors using the VR had much better recall of items within the scene better understanding the special spatial accuracy they really created a more consistent verdict the people using vr were 87 percent more likely to choose the same verdict so they were 87 percent more likely to all reach the same conclusion than the people who just relied on the standard presentation of evidence that were that were using the still photographs so it really, I think, shows the potential impact of being able to do VR within a within a jury within a case. Um, and certainly, I'm sure I'm sure with you that's you know that's sort of the academic side of things. But but for you, I I would think sitting on that kind of a, a jury, something like that probably would have been really helpful for you guys. Yeah, and so so <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about the specifics of the case. It was it was a guy got into his car at a park after visiting a party and he got out pulled out of his car there was some altercation that had taken place before he had gotten into his car and so there were all kinds of people just really upset kind of standing around and and we we were uh, it was unclear as to what exactly happened but i think the end result was somebody either did something to his car or he did something to them to where at the end of the day, the police were called and he was charged with assault with a deadly weapon and it went to trial. It was this big deal. And the entire time I'm sitting on this jury, a lot of it boiled down to he says, oh, I I did not hit this person with my car. She says, I hit this person with my car. And, and, then, and, and then the lawyers go in take deep dives. I mean, they are spinning this evidence right and left to fit their case. It, it is it is mind-numbing just how good they are at that. The entire time, they're getting into the nitty-gritty. Okay, were you on this side of the car or this side of the car? Where was this person? Where was that person? Did he look you in the eye? How did he do this? What was... And, and, and they're, they're going mile a minute with these questions to try to really dig down into what each person saw. And so the case really hinged on these details of were you on this side of the car or were you on this side of the car? Because that impacts you because based on where somebody said you got hit and, and where or where you didn't get hit or where yeah, it was it, it was it hinged on these little tiny details of where somebody was in a space. And so at, at the end of the day, it just came down to was there enough evidence presented to us the jury to be like okay yes this qualifies for this or did it not but but where but where where would a vr helped in this circumstance because we talked a little bit about the academic side of it well in, in my specific case it would have helped me specifically because architects are very visual thinkers and so it would have helped me 
clarify the con- conflicting testimony because the plaintiff said, oh, I was hit by a, by his car. The defendant said, no, she, I did not hit her. She kicked my car and fell down as a result. So there's two, two competing stories here. So both arguments hinged on where they were relative to each other and the car and, and having a stronger visual aid than, than the two lawyers just trying to just suck it out of these witnesses as to where they were having, having some kind of visual, okay, this is, this is where the car turned, you know, the, the defendant can in this 3d recreation of the scene, the car turned this way. I was here having people recreate something in a, in more of a visual sense to help describe the scene versus just having just straight up verbal testimony you know, it would have been awesome because imagine you create that scene in VR for everyone. Both sides get to tell their stories using the same 3D recreation and both sides can pick apart the others, but, but they'd still have that visual record that be, that could be used by both sides to prove their respective points and, and help the jury parse out those finer points of the testimony, which ultimately was what decided things. And, and the verdict here in, in my case was ended up being not guilty. And, and it really just came down to a he said, she said argument because there was not enough evidence to say for sure what happened. So the only thing we were legally bound to do at that point was to say not guilty. And I would suspect that most juries are that way, that, that when you have that kind of testimony, that, that he said, she said sort of stuff. And how do you, how do you really base a base a verdict on that. And, and I, it's interesting to have the study to talk about and at the same time to have, you know, your own experience because coming at it from the architecture side of things, it, it sort of gives a better perspective of maybe what, what could be done in real world scenarios and real life scenarios. So aside from that though, I mean, because, because yes, I could see this being very valu- valuable from a jury, jury aspect and from a trial aspect, but there are other things that architects are doing right now with VR and what we're getting involved in. And even though we're still trying to figure out, I think where the technology fits in within the industry that, that you do have a lot of architects who are using that as a way to really communicate better with the clients to, to really help them understand what's going on with everything and starting with just building the more realistic models so that they're, they're, are much more relatable to clients because because we've all had the conversation where clients who will say they understand everything, it turns out they can't read anything two-dimensionally. And so they'll tell you it looks okay at the same time not actually understanding what's going on. So having that, that 3D model would certainly be, and that virtual reality model would certainly go a long way towards making them understand better what's happening and being able to communicate with them better because architects we do tend to get very tech talk so sometimes we don't think about that when we're talking with clients and suddenly they get lost and at some point they get a little embarrassed to say that they don't understand so so to be able to take maybe that aspect out of it and just simply put them in the space would certainly help in that respect putting something in 3d that can put them you can you can put strap on a headset be like okay this is your house this is your living room you're standing here now walk through the space using these motion controls and just to be able to do that, even with a client who, who might be a little bit more 2d floor plan challenged, you know, just being able to see that and, and be in the space. I think it has a much bigger impact on things. <laughs> and I can recall 
there's a client who I think they had they built a foundation, they had laid down the the first floor floor joist, and she called and she said, I think they got this the wrong size because it doesn't seem like it's the right size. I'm like, oh crap, don't tell me they missed a dimension somewhere and, and nobody caught it. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. And of course, I went out there and it's exactly the size it's supposed to be. But she's standing on it and because there's no walls, she can't visualize it. So if we, <laughs> if I had had that ability to stick her in that space initially, so she could see what was going on. I think it would probably have short-circuited that process. It probably would have short-circuited me going, you know, hopping in the car and having to go out to the job site. But they're paying by the hour, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> yeah. As a, a, another example of what architects are using VR for, I've used it to stay connected with you know friends, family, and and other colleague during the during the pandemic. You know we couldn't leave our house, we couldn't really go anywhere or do anything, and so you know I had the VR set around, and I was like, okay, I called my brother up, and we were playing mini golf within twenty minutes. Now that was after work hours, but you know when you're trying to be cautious and staying away from people, you still want to enjoy that together time and. VR was a pretty safe way to do it. So, so you guys were in the same game playing the same thing, but both each in your own VR goggles in different homes. Yes. Yep. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't have thought about that as as a way to stay connected, quote unquote, connected. Because I mean, most of us got into the whole. Everyone's working on Zoom or they're on on teams or whatever it was to, to get them to to connect with one another. But yeah, the whole 3D, the whole virtual reality stuff, and and that's pretty cool. I mean, could you have gotten, how many people could you have gotten inside the same, the same scenario? I think it supports up to four or five people. Wow. Oh, that would have been fun to just have a little family get together. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. No, that that. I mean, you got to have everybody with a headset. So I mean, I imagine. I mean, even if you go with the cheap options, it still can. Yeah, they're still not. I mean, Facebook makes a what? I think it's maybe four hundred dollars if you go to Walmart or something. But I'm not going to say. Yeah, sure. Everybody's just got four hundred dollars in their pocket, but it's not unreasonable. You pay more for a TV. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and and what was the thing? So so this is this is I and. I don't understand NFTs and I don't, I guess I haven't really stopped to look too much into it, but you said something about an artist had created a virtual reality house NFT. And I have no idea what any of that means. I mean, a, a virtual reality part, I know what the house part is, but what's the NFT part? Because that's a whole new, I feel like, you know, grandpa trying to work the VCR. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I and I have only a passing understanding of it, but NFTs are there. It's an abbreviation for non fungible token. And from my limited understanding of it, it uses blockchain technology, the same the same technology that's behind all the cryptocurrencies you see nowadays, and it embeds that in a piece of art. So when you sell that piece of art. The blockchain notice the 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 blockchain notices that you sell that art, and the artist who created the NFT gets a percentage of each time you sell that particular good. So it's a way to it's a way to 
track on track and verify ownership of a piece of digital good goods. And so there, there was a, there was an artist who created a VR house NFT and it recently just sold, I think it was last year for 500 K. And I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking the entire th- time that I, I saw this, I'm thinking like, man, I'm doing this whole architecture thing wrong, especially if you can just create something in virtual reality and sell that. Oh, that, 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 a little part of me just dies inside because I'm just like, man, I just need to figure out how to do that, sell a few of those, and I'd be good, you know? Well, I think everyone would be pretty good after selling a few of those. But again, it, it's, it's, and, and I guess if it's, it's a piece of digital art, I can certainly see being able to, to track it and know that that people are selling it and to be able to get money. Cause I would think digital, digital art would be the easiest thing to copy, duplicate, whatever you want to say, and then just, you know, splatter it everywhere. But that's really interesting. But God, 500,000. Yeah. I'm like, and, and I think we all, I think every architect has that moment where we think maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe, maybe this isn't the right thing for me to be doing and, and to see stuff like that. I know certainly, certainly, brings that feeling up but i will let the i'll let the youngsters deal with the nfts and the blockchain and i'll just sit back here with my my autocad lt and and continue to draw floor plans and that'll be that yeah well i mean and and personally i not i mean not not to toot my own horn here a little bit but personally i i, I am using I, i'm using vr and in, in, in an interesting way myself i'm, I'm using drones a drone that I have to take hundreds of photos of either a house or a neighborhood and then constructing incredibly realistic VR spaces with only those photos and, and some minor additions uh, in, in a 3d program. And the, the, the end results are just fantastic. Like I've been able to get, I, I mean, the, the initial results are, are a ridiculously large model, but I've been able to streamline it down. I, uh, a single house to a manageable size that I will be able to put on our website at some point. I still need to figure out how to, how to, how to put, put it on a website, but it will eventually, I will eventually get to the point here in the near future where I will be able to put a very streamlined model that I created in virtual reality on our website. And it'll be a lot of fun to look at. So stay tuned for that, but also go check out our Instagram because I, over the next few days, I'll be posting some of that work, just some of the screenshots of, of what I've been able to do with uh, the drone shots and, and making 3d models out of them. And see where that's kind of taken us because it's a really cool technology and i'm really hoping that you know more people start to see the value in it because it 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 just takes it takes your communication up to another level it takes your just visual visualization and rendering capabilities up to the next level and it is just and it's just a lot of fun because like i said when you figure out how to share it with people and just inhabit a space with somebody else and be and walk them through it and like yeah this is what i did you know this is this is the your house remodel or something like that it's just it's it's an incredibly fun experience and and one that you can really just enjoy make make it your own you sent me a photo i think a screenshot of what you've been working on yeah it was an entire neighborhood <laughs> okay that's what that's what i thought i was like holy crap i mean it was just incredible just to look at and and, and but this is what you're make, making for your your vr to to walk around in right yes okay 
Okay, that's what I thought. It was it was it was just amazing. Well, so since I'm getting ready to go to Palm Springs, I think the next thing you need to do is maybe start creating vacation spaces for yourself. Since you guys have have twin three year olds, maybe create some vacation spaces for you and Faye that at the end of a long day and a lot of you know yelling, you can simply put on your VR goggles and go vacation for a little bit. Oh, that sounds good. Maybe turn on the ceiling fan, put a beach scene out there. So you got the, you got the, the wind coming in and, and, and you can just, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling that, but <laughs> I think that's where we're going to let you guys go for now. Um, if you want to get a hold of us on social media, uh, you can find the podcast at Arch Geeks Podcast on Instagram. You can find our website at architecturegeeks.com. And Larry, where can they find you? Um, oh, you can find me just about anywhere these days, but mostly on Instagram and Twitter at Spotted Dog Arch. Or you can just always email me, Larry at Spotted Dog Architecture.com. So thank you guys for listening. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.